Every year in the spring, the most unexpected thing happens. You see, I live in Portland, Oregon, and we're known for our dark, rainy winters. We're up here in the far north. We're farther north than Portland, Maine even. And it gets dark here in the middle of the winter around four o'clock. We have to turn all the lights on in the house. And while we're known for our rain, it's really the darkness that I think gets to those of us who live here in the north. Well, the darkness and the lack of sun or access to blue sky. We just have a lot of gray in the winter. It doesn't rain here as much as people think, but it definitely doesn't have a lot of sunlight. And while we don't really have stick season the way they do in the east, we have a lot more evergreen forests and things like that around. It still gets very bland and boring. Everything dies or goes into hibernation, a wintering. Everything slows down. Everything gets dark. And it's one of the many reasons that I personally don't treat January like a fresh start, where I don't do all my goal setting or all my resolutions in the very dead of winter when everything else around me in nature is taking a break, which is why what I'm about to tell you is so unexpected. So pretty regularly as a family, we do a family hike day and we take the same route often. The benefit of taking the same route and the same hike is that we get to see nature and the forest go through all the four seasons. We can see it in the summer and the winter and the spring and the fall. We walk through the forest then we walk through neighborhoods and then we go out to lunch. And you'd think our family hike days would be more common in the summer, but they're actually more common in the winter months. We don't have uh, sports right now in the winter and there's just not as much going on. So we usually have a free weekend day And therefore, we are doing this hike through the forest, through the neighborhoods on a regular basis. So we can notice the small changes when the creek is full and raging, uh, when trees come down, we can see those details. And once we're out of the forest, we walk the same route to the restaurant and we see the same houses and there's not a lot of change. So unlike the forest, the houses and the yards on our route don't really change that much, except for one day every spring. Because one day, every spring, we don't know what day it's going to be. We walk by a house, the same house we've walked by at this point, dozens if not hundreds of times. It's an older Portland house. It has a sloped front yard that's grass 98% of the year. It's not well groomed or manicured. It's just, in the winter, a dormant dead lawn. But seemingly one day out of nowhere, you'll walk by one day in the spring and this otherwise scraggly lawn is filled with tulips. And I'm not talking about like a little garden bed of tulips. I'm talking the entire lawn was covering up the fact that there were hundreds of tulip bulbs right underneath the surface. And they come up and they bloom and they are just punctuating this lawn. And when I tell you that this is such a breath of fresh air for those of us who have been living in the dark and the cold and the rain, to see a real sign of spring, to see life, to see color, well, it brings me more joy probably than it it should. And every year I wonder the thought process of the person who planted these bulbs because it's very unconventional to put flowers in your lawn. It doesn't really make sense. You can't mow the lawn and then they all die at the end, of course, as tulips do. And I don't know what they do with them at that point. And the beauty and the magic of this tulip lawn is two things. One, it is a fresh start. It's such a visual 
organic sign that spring is coming, that the seasons are changing, that we're moving out of wintering and into something fresh and new. The other magical part of the tulip lawn is the concentration of the tulips. They aren't scattered around the house. They aren't just around the periphery. They are concentrated in this mass right on the lawn. And this concentration of tulip energy is where the magic lies because we've all seen tulip gardens or little patches of tulips. And while it's beautiful and I think it's hopeful, it doesn't have the same impact. And so today we're going to talk about the power of fresh starts and harnessing that concentrated power to be able to add more good to your life. Hi, I'm Robin Conley Downs. I'm a health and happiness habits expert, and I'm here to help you save time and make time so you have more good in your life. Welcome to Whole Life Organized. By the end of this episode, you will have four simple steps to spring clean your life. Okay, I have to be honest, when I was researching this show, preparing, outline, writing the episode, I did research into what people recommend when it comes to spring cleaning your life. And not to throw too much shade, but honestly, what I found did not surprise me, but it was also terrible advice. Because what I found probably wouldn't surprise you either and probably is a reason why if I say, let's spring clean your life, you might say, no thanks, I don't have it in me. Because it was lists and lists of things to do, actions to take. Not only the list was too long, but it was also so many categories. It was spring clean your life and let's go in this order. Let's declutter your house. Let's spring clean your exercise routine. Let's spring clean your skincare routine. Let's spring clean your pantry, spring clean your meal plan, spring clean your calendar, your diet. I could go on. You get the picture. One of the most popular posts on this topic was a 31-day spring clean your life challenge, and it had a thing to do every day for 31 days. Now, here's the thing. I'm a habits expert. I do know the science and I have done the work around habits. You can't build a habit if you're doing one thing a day in all these different areas. Not only that, it's just, is it realistic to do, add a new to-do to your plate every single day for 31 days? Very few people are going to accomplish that list. But to me, as a habits expert, the real problem is that we are diluting that time, energy, and attention. So here's what I mean. I want you to imagine the tulip lawn. And I know you probably haven't seen my tulip lawn, but imagine a small yard, not a huge one. This is I'm talking about a small space with a lawn with dozens and dozens of tulips, like every two to three inches. Imagine the visual impact that that has. Now imagine the same number of tulips dotted in multiple yards across the, the entire street. So four to five tulips in yards like every other house or every third house. But trust me when I say it's nothing like the tulip lawn. Those scattered tulips cannot hold a candle to the tulip lawn. Now I want you to imagine a small bottle of food coloring, like red food coloring. And I want, you know, the size of a normal food coloring bottle. And then imagine a glass of water. And you take that small bottle of food coloring and you pour it in the small glass of water. Imagine the vibrancy of the color and the concentration of that color. Now imagine you take the same size bottle of food coloring and you pour it into a giant Olympic-sized swimming pool. What's going to happen to the water in the Olympic swimming pool? Nothing. 
you will never know that that tiny jar, that tiny bottle of food coloring entered the pool. You might see it when you first pour it in, right? But then after a few minutes, as it swirls around and gets sent into all the other parts of the water, it has been so diluted that it makes no impact. So as always, when I invite you to spring clean your life or anything else that we talk about here, I am not suggesting that you do it all. I am not recommending 31-day challenges where you add something to your list every single day. I don't want you pouring food coloring into a pool. Because you know what happens when you do that? You don't get any momentum, you don't get any reward, and you end up burning out, getting exhausted, giving up, and feeling like you failed. And you know what? You're perfectly capable and you're not failing. So let's take a fresh take on spring cleaning your life. As I mentioned, I find winter and January in particular, if you live in the Northern Hemisphere, to be a really challenging time to set goals, to kind of reassess and reevaluate, to make forward momentum, primarily because it's a time of rest. It's a time of darkness. It's a time of, in our family, it was a time of sickness and illness. But man, there is something about spring that just brings energy. The light is literally coming back. The tulips are popping up. And here I always love to refer to the work of Dr. Katie Milkman, who is a professor at the Wharton School of Business. And she does research on change and goal setting and reaching your goals. And she did work around this concept, this theory of the fresh start effect. And the fresh start effect simply states that there are some times that are better than others to start something new, to set goals. And that these natural markers in our lives can be leveraged, used, to kind of give us a jumpstart into the change that we want to make or the improvement or the harmony or flow we want in our lives. So absolutely, January 1st in Western culture can be a fresh start. You go a little bit, a few weeks down the road, you've got Lunar New Year. Big life transitions like a move or someone entering or exiting a family. All of these transitions are an opportunity to use the fresh start effect to say, hey, you know what? This is the time. This is when I want to do a refresh, do a reset. We don't always talk about whether reset is is the right frame, but at any rate, hey, let's do some spring cleaning. And spring is a fantastic time for the fresh start effect. Maybe for you, it's the first of a month in the spring, the first flower coming through the dirt, the earth in your yard or in your neighborhood. There are multiple spring holidays that maybe already serve as a fresh start for you. Easter, Ramadan, Passover. So that's not really a step, but it's definitely something to keep in mind that if you're feeling that urge for a spring clean, you can use the power of the fresh start effect to look at where is a natural time, whether it's a holiday, a day of the first day of the month, a Monday, um, a birthday, the birthday of a child or a family member. If it means something to you, you can claim it as your fresh start. Now, I promised you steps and I will deliver. I'm not going to give you a list of all the areas of your life that you could potentially spring clean. I think you probably know all the areas of your life. And we're going to do a little bit of a 180 on the concept that you're going to do everything. And really, instead, we're going to do the tulip lawn or the food coloring in a cup, and we're going to focus on one thing so that we can get our energy, attention, and our time concentrated onto one thing so that we can feel that momentum and that progress and some success. Step one is pick one thing, 
not everything. This could be an area of your life, physical, mental, emotional. So pick one thing to start. This could be your exercise routine. This could be your office or desk where you work. It could be your calendar. It could be your inbox. It could be your fridge and pantry. It could be your friendships or your relationships. So pick one area. And then from there, we're going to go back to our grounding question. And this is a question that has been in my book, The Feel Good Effect. It's what our coaches, our Feel Good Effect coaches use with their clients. It's what I use with my coaching clients. It's it's been around, it's gone through the paces and you can go back and listen to episode one to get all the goods. And that is, how do you feel and how do you want to feel? Applied to this one area of your life because it is just really hard to set effective goals, goals that you can actually reach and will reach without knowing why you're setting the goal. And we're not getting stuck here, but we are using it as a grounding place to know why we're even doing this. Why are we going to spend our time, energy, and attention here when we could be putting it in so many other places? And as we walk through these steps, I'll give you a tangible example that is going on in my own life right now. And it's actually a very cliche kind of spring clean example because it's about a physical space. It's about my daughter's bedroom. I've mentioned on the show before that we recently moved into a new house. And actually, it's wild that it's not actually recently. It's been a year almost, that we've lived in this house. But it still feels recent to me. And we lived in our old house for 15 years. So my daughter was born in that... She wasn't born in the house, but she was born. And then we brought her to the house when she was a few days old. That was the only home that she ever knew. And her bedroom evolved over time while we were there. So she started out in one room in her crib, kind of a nursery situation. As she got older, we moved her to a bigger room that had more room for you know, the things that a toddler needs. And each time she changed phases. So when she went from baby to toddlerhood or toddler to young kid or young kid to older kid, we did some light updates to her room, nothing major. We went through the unicorn phase where we did, you know, these actually really cool unicorn decals that my dad got off of Etsy. And they were perfect because they didn't they weren't wallpaper, so we just stuck them up. And then when she was done with the unicorns, the unicorns came down. We swapped out bedspreads and added one of those overbed canopies. But again, it was like a small investment from Target, probably where we stuck it in the ceiling and kind of draped around the bed. And then she grew out of that. And in that room, each transition, I would basically ask, how do we feel about this room and how do we want it to feel? What function do we want it to have? And what's the minimum or maximum amount of time, energy, attention, money we want to spend on this project? And when we moved to the new house, I wasn't sure how we wanted to set up her room. And really, it was a very pragmatic, like, let's just do the basic minimum amount of work in here and revisit it later. At the time, she was in fifth grade. So where we live, fifth grade is the end of elementary school. And then they transition. In sixth grade, they go to middle school, so six, seven, eight, and then they go to high school in ninth, nine, 10, 11, 12. And I'm giving you the backstory on middle school and high school because you should know that that fifth to sixth is a big transition. Like so many things change. They go from having one teacher all day to literally nine. She has nine different teachers. She changes classes every single period. She has a lot more independence. I'm not going to do a whole show on that. <laughs> But it's a major transition. So talk about 
the fresh start effect. And as she has navigated through this first year of middle school, she has turned into more of a teenager. Fifth grader, fifth grade, she was more of a kid, and now she's turning into a teenager, and she wants her room to reflect that. And for birthdays, we try to do experiences over stuff. And so this year, I would argue this is probably a combo of an experience and stuff. But for this birthday, which is kind of a spring birthday, we offered to do sort of a room makeover, a very light room makeover, but a room makeover nonetheless. One that will better reflect the age and interests that she you know, lives in right now. So we leveraged the fresh start effect and we chose her birthday, which also happens to be spring. And we're going through this process of spring cleaning, of getting rid of what she doesn't need anymore, of organizing, go back to the how to organize your to-do list and the process that we're following there. But the, the question that we're asking is, how do you want to feel in this room? And from that feel, we can come up with functions. So if you want to feel a certain way, then what, what do we need to do to support that? And that's sort of our grounding foundation. So you can do this in any area of your life. If you're looking at your exercise routine, how do you want to feel? And then how do you want it to function? Your inbox, your calendar, how do you want, it, how do you want to feel when you're interacting? And then how do you need it to function? Your fridge and pantry, how do you want, it, how do you want to feel when you're interacting? And then what function do you need? And that is step one. Step two, and you know this is coming, we're going to 80-20 it. So highly recommend you tune in to episode seven on the 80-20 list. Worth listening to. But we're going to now 80-20 this area of your life. So we know kind of how you want to feel and how you want it to function. And now we're going to look at what what's working, what's not working, and what to do next. And the, what to do next is like what you're going to do to spring clean. This is simply a process of editing, of taking out what's not moving the needle, what's not serving you, what's not serving your how you want to feel and how you need this to function, and only leaving what's necessary, what's helpful. We're concentrating your energy, time, and attention into the tulip lawn. The example in my daughter's room is we're looking at, we know how she wants to feel in that room and how she wants it to function. And so we're doing some major editing. It's actually really, it's a very bittersweet if you're a parent or a relative of, of a kid and you watch them grow to see them make that jump, right? It's it's an emotional thing because we're editing out a lot of the little kid stuff. And it's not breaking my heart because I want her to grow and I want her to change just like I want you to be able to grow and change. And sometimes that means letting go of things that are no longer serving you, even if in this case, it is a little sad. So we're editing out a lot. She has so many books. She's a book kid. I'm a book mom. We're a book family. So we definitely, I'm not a collector of many things, if anything, except for books. So we're editing out a lot of books and we're going to help them go to good homes and libraries, etc. But we're editing out books. We're editing out maybe stuffies. <laughs> I'm not sure if she's ready to let the stuffies go, but there's just things that aren't serving her anymore in this phase of her life. And so we're looking at what's the 20% that's related to the feel and the function. And then we are editing out the rest. And that's going to allow us to move to the next phase because we're not bringing everything. We're not scattering our attention everywhere and our energy everywhere and our attention everywhere. Because what's left is the good stuff. 
and the right stuff. As a side note, I love this step because I think you might find that there's more good than you thought. Again, I man, in my, I have many life missions, but one of them is to help you start, start to give yourself a little more credit. So when you look at what's working, it's probably more than you think. Like it's not as much of a mess as, or chaotic or a disaster, probably, than you think. And it's so deeply personal because I don't know what's working for you currently. I mean, I could look at a million different fridges. Like let's say I was doing a fridge audit for you. First, I would want to know what is working in here because I don't want to change that. And I don't want to take that away from you. You probably have some things that are working that you enjoy or that you love or that are super practical or functional. Let's leave those. And now step four is get really brilliant at the basics. Brilliant at the basics just means to hone in on those core things or habits that really move the needle. And I hate to break it to you, but they're not usually the sexiest things, but they are the things that will help you build. They're the foundation. They're the things that will help you build momentum, success, and then we can layer on the fun stuff. So getting brilliant at the basics in a physical space, which is not really where I coach and I'm not a decorator. Like I don't usually coach or teach or write about decorating. There's many other people that do that much better than I do, but I think the concepts apply if you want to spring clean a physical space. So getting brilliant at the basics in the in my daughter's bedroom is what are the core pieces that are going to make the biggest impact and they're going to support all the layers. So that's like the desk, the bed, and any any bookshelves that we we might want. So we want to get those right because they're going to be the workhorse and then they're going to provide the framework or this the structure to layer on all the other fun things like decor or throw pillows or lamps and I'm being very literal here in her in the bedroom space but we want to get those foundational pieces get brilliant at the basics so let's use a, a more life uh, routine example so if I'm looking at my exercise routine and I want to Bring clean my exercise routine. I'm looking at asking how do I want to feel and what's the function. I'm going 80-20, what's working, what's not, what do I want to do more of? And then I'm looking at getting brilliant at the basics. And with an exercise routine, that's often picking one thing that you can do consistently. Now we're going to have more, a little deeper dive into what I mean by consistency, but I'm talking about something where you can get momentum. So I want you to replace the word consistency with the word momentum. So if that's weight training in your in your garage, or if it's taking a walk in your slippers on your treadmill in your house, brilliant at the basics is identifying those core needle moving habits that you can stick to and then you can layer on. And we always want to go to the layer part. We always want to go to the decor and the throw pillow and the lamp. But if we don't have the desk and the bed and like an overall structure for where those things are going to go, you're just going to end up with at best a mess, like an incohesive mess. And at worst, just right back where you started with feeling kind of defeated and or overwhelmed or just like no progress has been made. And step four is maintenance and momentum. So we want to take everything that you've done and make sure that you're maintaining it with momentum. And this is the fun part where you can layer on, where you can tweak, or if you don't want to layer on and you just want to stick with Brilliant at the Basics, where you just experience the benefit of a momentum. One thing that really is, I think, sad for me is seeing how few people get to 
experience what it's like to have core habits that they have momentum with, that then those go into like automaticity. It becomes automatic. So you can do it without thinking about it. And you get to reap the rewards of that work. We're spending so much time on the front end trying to do too much, scattering our attention, our time, and our energy that we don't get to spend enough time on the momentum and the maintenance side, which there's so much ease here. There's so much joy here. And I'll tell you, it's not. I'm not perfect. My life is not perfect. I do not have it all together. But I don't have to spring clean my life too much because so many areas have gone through this process and I'm in momentum and I'm in maintenance. So it's not so hard. So I'm not always going back and trying again and restarting and resetting. And boy, do I want that for you too. And that doesn't mean it looks perfect or aesthetic or social media ready. It can still be you. It can still be authentic to who you are. But it just doesn't have to be so much work. I'm reminded of my friend, Taisha Butler. She's my blogging bestie. We've been besties for almost 10 years now. You can find her at The Natural Nurturer, which I always find really hard to say. The Natural Nurturer on Instagram and .com. She does veggie-loaded recipes. I think you're going to love them. And she didn't always exercise. She didn't grow up exercising. And she's told this story publicly. I'm very firm on not telling other people's stories, but she's told this publicly. So just retelling it but, um, from what she said. She did not grow up exercising. She didn't grow up in a family that were active and didn't come to exercise until later in life. So it was a habit she had to start a lot from scratch and build. And while I don't know that she consciously went through these steps, I've seen it with my own eyes where she asked, how do I want to feel and how, did, how do I want this to function in my life? Movement, exercise. What's the 80-20? What's the what works? What doesn't? What do I want to do more of? How can I get brilliant at the basics? And then how can I create maintenance and momentum? And she's just done such a beautiful job of incorporating movement of daily walks. She's a huge exercise snacker. I like to think I contributed to that part, but I won't take credit for anything else that she's done. She's done it all on her own. She incorporates daily walks, even though she lives in Vermont. Talk about stick season, pretty much all weather, unless it's dangerous. And now recently, she's been incorporating strength training, so lifting. And again, she's gone through this process, like, how do I want to feel? What's the function? What's the 80-20? How do I get brilliant at the basics? And then how do I create momentum? And how do I create maintenance? And she's done it in her way. It's very Tasha. And as someone that knows her, I can say that. But I see her often, she'll do be in her living room in her pajamas because that's authentic to her and it's it's and we're moving all the barriers. It's very 80-20 and you know what? She's sticking with it. Like it's happening on a regular basis despite the fact that she works full time. She's a partner, a parent and works somewhere where the climate is pretty nasty a good chunk of the year. She found her version. It's authentically her and what's so important is that it works for her. Like she doesn't have to work so hard because it's seamlessly in her life. It doesn't mean that every day she wakes up wanting to do it. She probably doesn't, I, I would argue, at least it's for me. I never think, oh, I want to go lift weights. But because the habit's there, because the momentum and the maintenance is there, it's pretty automatic. 
Remember, you can use the fresh start effect anytime. If spring is not your thing, no big deal. But if it is, if you're feeling that urge, that energy, that the season change brings, I invite you to harness the power of the fresh start effect. Pick a day, a time, a holiday, a birthday, whatever that is. Ask yourself what the area of your life is. Because by the way, once you pick one and you get to maintenance and you get to momentum, you can add on. (laughs) It's much more satisfying to do it once you have one thing that's going. Think of it as plates. You know the old-fashioned plate spinners? You can't add a spinning plate until one's already spinning. So we just are going to keep adding plates spinning, but only once we have that momentum. Pick one area. How do you want to feel? What's the function? Go to 80-20. What's working? What's not? What do you want to keep? Think about those basic habits, those foundational things. And then go for momentum and maintenance. Make it your own. Layer on. Add some joy. Add some fun. If you are spring cleaning your life, I would love to hear about it. You can connect with me at Whole Life Organized on Instagram or at Real Food Whole Life or realfoodwholelife.com where I help you save time and make time in the kitchen with quick and easy recipes I know you'll love. I want to thank you so much for listening. I'm still working on a sign-off. I'm not going to lie. I've tried a bunch of different things. Still feels awkward to me after doing six years of my old podcast with a one sign-off. I still haven't found my groove here, but I'm going to end this by saying thank you for listening. Thank you for spending this time on yourself. And remember, you've got time.